What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock
Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, when we last spoke, I had just finished off a really killer set involving all the best music from 1982, including the top albums, all the great odds and ends. And now I am back about a week later here, and I'm ready to deliver 1992 to you right here on a silver platter, the absolute best music that was released in 1992. And as we did the last few times, we did these big, huge retrospectives. We're going to start off here with the odds and ends, which if you're a new listener, a new friend of the show, the odds and ends are songs from releases that probably will not make it on the year-end best-of lists. Whether it be single-only releases, EPs, soundtracks, cover albums, tribute albums, box sets, the one song off of a greatest hits, what have you. Oh yes, also live albums like we just kicked off the show with here today from probably one of the best-selling live albums of all time. It has to be the best-selling live album of 92 if I had to guess off the top of my head. ACDC, Live at Donington. That was, of course, Dirty Deeds, Done Dirt Cheap. I always like to throw in Brian Johnson singing a Bond song because I think he's always done a great job at representing that material. Brian Johnson always deserves equal respect in the ACDC conversation. But yes, Dirty Deeds does a great job of that. The whole band's on. That's the Razor's Edge lineup, which is, of course, the Young Brothers, Brian, Cliff Williams, and Chris Slade. It's them playing in front of probably damn near 100,000 people at Castle Donington at Monsters of Rock. I'm sure Chris Riley was there at that show, and I'm jealous. I'm jealous of all those Donington shows. Whoever you are out there, if you went to at least one Donington show in that original run from like 80 to 96, I am so supremely jealous of you. What was the lineup of that one? 91? So it was Black Crows, Queensryche, Motley right before Vince got fired. 
Metallica, and ACDC headlining to deliver you that great live album. And of course, there's the home video, the DVD, and now the Blu-ray, which I own all that stuff. I don't think I ever initially owned the basic cassette or CD of Live at Dyington because I was definitely holding out for the full show, and I eventually got it. And when once the two-disc came out, that was definitely the argument for the long box because you had the cool fold-out Rosie right there, the inflatable Rosie on there. So probably the peak of the long box is that Live at Donington two-disc set, which I remember tearing out of my long box once I got the bonfire box and then the remaster of the two-disc came out. Yeah, I'm insane. But yes, I have all those things. And I love Live at Donington. I know my friend Loose Cannon from Cobras and Fire has often been like, what's with the gaps between the songs where it just fades out and fades back in again? I think I can explain that, actually. I have no confirmation that this is for real, but I do know that most Monsters of Rock shows, including this one, had actually multiple shows go around Europe with basically the same lineup with some bands popping out here and there, give or take. But... If I had to guess, I would assume that they were rolling tape at every one of those shows. So I think they probably picked the best performances out of all those shows and made it just the one Live at Donington release. Or they had at least planned on using all the Live at Donington audio and had backup tape just in case. That's just a theory. But I think it's a pretty solid one, which would lead to you wanting to fade in and out and and do it easy like that. Also, man... Nothing worse than making mix CDs back in the day where the crowd noise just pops up with no fade. So I actually kind of dig the fade. That's me. Anyway, like it just did right there. And I overtly geeking out on all this stuff. But that's what a show like Rock Strikes 10 is all about. Once again, welcome to 1992. We're doing the odds and ends for these three episodes. And then we go slamming into the top albums of 1992. We got to get through these ASAFP because the clock is ticking on this year. We only have a couple of weeks left in, in this year of 2022. So I got to knock out this one plus the 2002 one and the 2022 one. So help me send help, send snacks, but let's get to it right here. Now, I think there's going to be a couple of instances where you run into the same band in the odds and ends and on the top albums list. And this is one of them for sure. Alice in Chains, they put out right at the top of the year. They followed up their debut album, Facelift, with this EP right here called Sap. And listening to Facelift and then listening to Sap, you're like, whoa. Okay, so this is an EP meant to be basically a deviation in style of what we can expect from this band. But it was a real smart move putting this out. It really showed off that they had more than just the the grunge sound, quote-unquote, and the heavy-type stuff. This is all acoustic-based, ballad-type stuff. And but but it's really cool. A lot of people, those are their favorite Alice in Chains records, and I'm not mad about it if you say they're yours, because there's a lot of good song quality in the two EPs that they put out while Lane was alive. So yeah, I definitely have a lot of nostalgia for Sap, and I even love the untitled love song track at the very end. At the time, you know, at a certain age when you're very sophomoric and very immature, that's like your favorite song on the record, because they're farting and burping on it and stuff like that. And I still think it's fun, but I'm going to go with the obvious great song on this one right here. And this song is so good that Kevin Smith would resurrect it a couple of years later for the Clerks soundtrack. So, yeah, you know I'm going to go with this one right here. Just one of my favorite Alice in Chains songs of all time. So we got to do it. This is Got Me Wrong. Got me wrong. 
Yeah, whether you're hearing that, you know, the original studio version like I just played or you heard it on the Unplugged album, that is probably my favorite song where Jerry and Lane just kick in that harmony. They sound so great together. And yeah, and and also the thing I loved about the song is that I could just pick it up and play it on the guitar and be an instant hit at the party I wasn't meant to be at in the first place. Yeah, I was that guy every now and then. I had to have an angle, dude. Come on, seriously. I knew how to play guitar. As Carlin said, he got invited to all the parties. He got the last girl, but he went to all the parties. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, got me wrong right there from Sap. Worth your time for sure. And of course, I believe you'll be running into Alice in Chains coming up here on the Top Albums Countdown of 1992 coming up soon. Let's do yet another twofer, as I like to do here on the odds and ends, and there's no way I can tie any of these in, because 92 is definitely a schizo year, so I don't know if I could tie any of these in. But if I run into it, I will definitely alert you to it. 
So we're just going to play a bunch of twofers that make no sense other than hopefully for you, they at least have the one thing in common that they do rock and they do belong on this show. So speaking of live tracks, here's a track from a live EP, which is not a normal thing that really exists much anymore. Even back in the day, live EPs weren't much of a thing. And I think it's like super weird that live EPs existed in the CD era because they're pretty much almost charging the exact same amount. So those kind of releases make no sense, which is why those releases probably get ignored for the most part. But I dug this one up here from my collection. Going to get into some Bang Tango right here. And Bang Tango is one of those bands where, if I'm not mistaken, the live EP was the follow-up to their full-length album. (laughs) I could be wrong about that, but I feel like that's the case. So the live EP in question here is called Ain't No Jive Live. And I wanted to include this one. You know, I like that first Bang Tango record, but as I like to look for kind of the one-off performances right here, I don't believe there's a studio version of this at all. So this song was basically exclusive to the live EP right here. So here's Bang Tango doing a cover of the T-Rex classic, 20th Century Boy.
pretty sure that if you are of a certain age and you were very switched on to pop culture anything in 1992 you definitely recognize that because tons of people went and saw the movie wayne's world including me i saw it on opening night that was a freaking packed house too one of those things where apparently the suits did not expect the movie to do all that great and it overperformed so that was kind of cool to see like rock culture basically turning out for a movie that was speaking to them as lowbrow as it may be but I appreciate the satire and most of the jokes still in Wayne's World still land for me. And so, yes, that song was, of course, one of the big spotlight songs from the movie. So I had to include it. How could you not represent Wayne's World in the year 1992? That was co-star of the movie Tia Carrera. Yes, our pinup girl for 92, that's for sure. And that was her version of the Sweets Ballroom Blitz. Now, and I'm going to venture to say that if you were probably still like an early teen or less and you saw Wayne's World, that was probably the first time you ever heard the song Ballroom Blitz. If you weren't raised well, I wasn't raised great musically, but I found my own stuff. I was at least old enough at that point. I guess I was probably about 13 in 1992. I definitely had heard 
Crocus's version of Ballroom Blitz back in the mid-'80s. So that was the first time I ever heard the song. So probably for me, the original Sweet version had to be the third version I ever heard of it. And as fun as Tia Carrera's version is, you know, I, I don't think it's really aged all that well, but like I said, it's from 1992, and it was definitely a favorite of mine at that time for certain reasons. But yeah, I, you know, and even trying to be the nerd that does his research here and gets his notes ready for shows like this, especially, I don't have many notes as it concerns the regular episodes, but on these countdown shows, I like to find some fun facts about it. And unfortunately I have no fun facts really about that version of ballroom blitz. I couldn't find anything at all. Like as to the personnel in that particular song, I even have the cassette and the CD. I checked them both. No credit notes. The only thing of note really for that particular track is that it was produced by the legendary Ted Templeman. So that's all I got. And, you know, I guess decent tie into the previous track there with Bang Tango doing 20th Century Boy. Those were both cover songs in 1992 of 70s glam classics. So, yeah, maybe I'm off to a decent start. We shall see. Moving on here to the next one. You know, I say this probably once or twice each odds and ends retrospective that I have done at this point. And I will say... This song right here is a true odd and end. It checks off many boxes as far as how you make it on the odds and ends. You don't need much, but if you want to be next level, you do it like this song right here I'm about to play for you now. Full confession, I was not aware of this at all until a few months ago as I was putting these songs together. And wow, I should have definitely heard of this by now because... Everything remotely involved in this particular track, I am a huge fan of. Okay, let's start off with actually one of the other co-stars in Wayne's World, Alice Cooper. Okay, now Alice Cooper wrote this upcoming song with his original band, the great legendary original Alice Cooper group. And covered here in 1992 by another one of my favorite singer-slash-frontmen of all time, Bruce Dickinson. And the only reason this song was recorded at all it was tied in to a thing that they were doing with Mr. Bean over in the UK. If you don't know Mr. Bean, it's one of the great comedies and one of the great characters of all time, Rowan Atkinson. You should know that guy. And apparently he was doing a thing where he was running for office or what what have you, parliament. I'm not sure if it's still called running for office. Let me know out there. But yes, got here. At the, I'm sure you can put two and two together here. So Bruce Dickinson gets on board here. And he records a cover song of Alice Cooper's Elected as a campaign song for Mr. Bean. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy, right? Once again, had no clue that this happened. I don't know how I didn't know this. I feel like I've seen most of the Mr. Bean stuff and I somehow missed out on this. So I suck. So I got a lot more digging to do in my fandom. But until then, enjoy this right here. Maybe this is your first time too. Don't feel bad. It's pretty much mine as well. So as a one-off, I believe, 12-inch single from what I could figure out, here's Bruce Dickinson doing Alice Cooper's Elected. Don't 
Finishing off that twofer right there, we had a live version of Genesis Mama. That was recorded actually in 1987 on the Invisible Touch Tour, and that performance right there was from Wembley Stadium, but it was not released until 1992 on part one of two live albums that Genesis would put out back-to-back. So that was volume one, The Way We Walk the Shorts, which basically is the accessible Genesis songs that you would probably want to hear more often than not in a live capacity from their last couple of tours. I I wanted to put Mama on here because I don't know of a heavier Genesis song in a post-Phil Collins being a lead singer world than that one right there. I could be wrong, but Phil sounds amazing on it, and I think that's a cool live version. There are some good songs on the shorts. I never really had listened to that live album, but I listened to it for the purpose of getting through 1992 here, and I quite enjoyed it because... I like a decent amount of those singles. I'm a big That's All fan, which you may hear sometime on the show next year. But yeah, there's Mama right there from The Way We Walk the Shorts. And of course, before that, we had Bruce Dickinson doing Alice Cooper's Elected on behalf of Mr. Bean's campaign in 1992. By the way, if you ever do track down the full-length version of that in physical form, there's an extra four minutes or so tacked on to the end of that single where Mr. Bean comes in and gives you all of his campaign promises. And I did appreciate the fact that he did reference that 12 inches cost way too much in this day and age. So, yeah. All right. This next one represents an EP that was released uh, worldwide in 1992. And it's kind of a weird thing whenever you see an EP release after the band has already released a full length in the same year. And this was basically to promote one single. So it's basically what we like to call a maxi-single but it had so much extra original stuff that hadn't been released before, it definitely garners the EP status, in my opinion. And I am going to play the single that this EP was promoting, even though it's on the original studio album it's representing, because I am, spoiler, going to include that album on the upcoming Top Albums of 1992 list, but I wanted to play this song and I wanted to play a different song off the album, so this is my way of splitting the vote, and getting to play both songs. So not even remotely cheating, and I'm very proud of pulling this off, because I still think this song rocks, as weird as it is. Uh, Here is Gwar doing their attempt, or I guess their parody, of a stereotypical power ballad of the time. To represent the EP of the same name, this is The Road Behind.
She likes the monkey. She likes the monkey. 
Definitely enough of an up-tempo, motivational-type, dance-funk, metal kind of number to where you even believe yourself that one day you may, too, be prom king, like Sean Astin was in Encino Man. I didn't even wind up going to my prom, but at that time, I did believe that maybe I could perhaps be prom king. There was only one thing standing in my way. Uh, I did not find a caveman in my backyard, but... I did enjoy watching Encino Man in 1992, as a lot of the people in my age group did. Although I believe that most people did not buy the soundtrack. I feel like the soundtrack probably did not sell well, even though it had some stuff going for it. That thing was a mishmash. And for someone who's a big fan of being a non-separatist genre-wise, that thing was so scrambled genre-wise that there was no audience for that soundtrack even remotely even in 1992 which should be a decently progressive year for a lot of people's taste but honestly i think maybe just some of the songs that were on the encino man soundtrack just weren't that good but that was a good one right there infectious grooves with a new song which i don't know if it was intended either for the first album or the second album that came out about a year after this but that was feed the monkey and yeah, I, I never need an excuse to play Infectious Grooves on the show. They're a lot of fun. As you may have heard on the top albums of 1991, they did very well. And of course, before that, another fun band for a different kind of mood. That was Guar and The Road Behind. This next two for here is pretty simple. They are just random performances from live albums that came out in 1992. And I listened to both of these. They were fine live albums. Nothing I'm going to run out and buy, but... These were the two performances that I was like, yes, those are very good, and I'm going to include those on the show for various reasons. We're going to start things off here with the opening track from a double live album by George Harrison. If I'm not mistaken, it was his first official live album ever. George didn't really tour all that much, so it was a big deal that he was going out, especially even playing overseas, like a place like Japan. I honestly hadn't looked up the credits on this live album until I was almost done listening to it because I, you know, I did listen to it online. I streamed it. And so I never had bought it back in the day and I didn't know any background on it. I didn't even know who his touring band was. And unfortunately, it turns out that his touring band consisted of Eric Clapton and his band. So that did take away quite a bit for me on this. But. If you can put that out of your mind, it's a pretty decent live album. George pretty much hits all the big songs that he's known for as a Beatle and some highlights of his solo career, at least up to this point. So it's not too bad. It's not, like I said, nothing I'm rushing out to get, but not a total waste of time either. And who doesn't love some George Harrison every now and then? So to represent George Harrison live in Tokyo, this is the kickoff track right here. And I believe this is probably a pretty big surprise because it's not really the first song you think of, but it's a damn good track. 
So nice little classic Beatle nugget right here. This is George Harrison with I Want to Tell You.
children jumping off the stations one by one. His woman and his best friend, and man and having fun. Well, he's crawling down the corridor. Thank you very much, boys and girls. Be very kind, very understanding, very tolerant. And we are very old, but thank you so much for coming. We had a lovely time. See you next time. Finishing off that twofer right there of live music and finishing off the show here today, that was Jethro Tull, who I don't play a whole hell of a lot on the show. Not a big Jethro Tull fan, but I, I like the occasional song here and there. They got about half a dozen really great songs that I would want to listen to all the time, in my opinion. Super talented band, of course, but you know, not normally my thing. I don't, I don't let the Grammy thing. I don't hold that against them. That wasn't their call, and they deserve better than that than to just be a footnote. I will say as well. That was from a release called "A Little Light Music," which kind of on the forefront of the whole unplugged album craze. That's a live album, but it's definitely based more in an acoustic, intimate setting, which was not anything that they had done really all that much. So. I'll give them credit for putting that kind of album out earlier on before a lot of other bands did. But speaking of one of the great Jethro Tull songs, that was one of them right there, Locomotive Breath, which, man, that's just a damn epic. It is so good. never fails to get me going. Uh, I have a lot of love for that song for a couple of different reasons. Number one, 
any of you pro wrestling fans out there, if you ever attended a live Ring of Honor show, that was always their pump-up track to get the crowd going. And every time I hear that song kick in with a little drum beat, I can just hear the fans banging on the front rail. And so that song is always going to take me there. Plus, that song was a big favorite and is dedicated to Richard Cat. Wherever you are out there, that one was for you. I know you can hear it somewhere, somehow. But yes, a lot of love from Locomotor Breath, for sure. And before that, another favorite of his, by the way, George Harrison, kicking off that twofer with... I want to tell you from live in Japan. It's great stuff right there. Pretty cool way to end off the show, in my opinion. We got two more Odds and Ends episodes to go for 1992. To paint the overall picture in 1992, you got to have the Odds and Ends. At least in my book, you do. Hope you're having fun here. I'll see you probably in the next day or two with part two. We're just going to keep going just like I did with 1982. So stay current. Stay tuned. Stay involved. Let me know what you think. And until then, I'm going to send you over to NOLA with the plugs. And immediately followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris where cinema's trash is treated like treasure, and the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business, Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.
Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.